In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. JL May crossover special part four. Awesome. That's right, guys. We are part of the JL May crossover podcast that's happening all throughout the month of May. As a matter of fact, we are part four in this crossover, and we are covering the JLA Year One storyline from Mark Wade and Brian uh, Augustine and um, Barry Kitson and all that stuff. So we're talking about the late 90s series. We are part four, so if you would like to hear the reviews of issues one through six, you need to head over to a couple of different podcasts to collect all. (laughs) We actually have a checklist. If you go to our website, uh, www.lanterncast.com, and look for this episode, uh, you will see an image there, as well as on our Facebook page, of the GL May crossover podcast checklist. First up. The first episode covering issues one and two was on Fire and Water, episode number 163. So go over there to the Fire and Water podcast and search that out. The next episode covering issues three and four was the Power of Fishnets podcast, episode six. That's the podcast that our buddy Ryan Daly does. Uh, He covered three and four, and uh, he is also part of the Fire and Water network. So if you just go over to the Fire and Water podcast, uh, uh, podcast network webpage you'll be able to see that there uh, and then next up after that covering issues five and six was the guys from waiting for doom that is episode number 57 so go ahead and find that once you get those you'll have all three podcasts and then you can just start listening to ours uh, or you can just start listening to ours as the only one and feel really really confused and lost because we're not commenting on the entire series just these two issues we might have, like, a couple of general things at the end, but, you know. Don't count we, on it. <laughs> yeah, don't, 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 don't count on it. It's um, not the way to bet, people. That's right. And uh, besides, we don't want to step on anybody else's toes that are coming after us. So, uh, And we'll tell you at the end of the podcast who to be looking out for. Uh, actually, I'll tell you real quick right now. Supermates podcast, The Idolhead of Diablo, Comic Reflections, and Views from the Longbox will all be following us up with their own parts all the way up until the end of the month of May, hence J.L. May. Um, But anyways, we are covering issues 7 and 8 of the J.L.A. Year One storyline. I'm taking issue 7, Mark is taking issue 8, but before we get into it, I did want to just give kind of a brief summary for anybody who's just hopping in, um, what the J.L.A. Year One storyline was about. 
And I copied this directly from the Comic Vine website. So I didn't write this, but if you want to think I did, cool. Uh, <laughs> but from, from Comic Vine, just uh, what the JLA Year One storyline was about, it was a retelling of the early days of the JLA. Perhaps the most notable difference to the original being the replacing of Wonder Woman with Black Canary. Uh, the new JLA was a clear hit, but its past was somewhat foggy. Since the team debuted in the 1960s with a lineup consisting of Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Martian Manhunter, Aquaman, The Flash, and Green Lantern, the timelines of half its founding fathers had been reinvented. 1985's Crisis on Infinite Earths maxi-series, along with the subsequent relaunches of the Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman franchises, had led to the history of DC's premier Justice League team becoming a bit jangled. In an early attempt to clear up the JLA's timeline, November 1988's Secret Origins number 32 confirmed that Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman were no longer founding members of the team and inserted the Silver Age Black Canary into the mix in their place. With only this brief glimpse of the team's beginnings, fans were left wondering exactly how the Justice League began. It was up to writers Mark Wade and Brian Augustin and artist Barry Kitson to fill in the blanks. With their 12-issue maxi-series JLA Year One, the trio examined the early days of the team. Involving clashes with classic foes, great characterization, heroic guest stars, and a grand-scale alien invasion, JLA Year One proved a success and cleaned up decades of convoluted comic history. So nicely said. That wasn't my writing. <laughs> I just said said. I didn't say <laughs> it was nicely written too, but I wasn't giving you the credit for that part. <laughs> uh, so spe speaking of Secret Origins number thirty-two, uh, another of Ryan Daly's podcasts. He does a Secret Origins podcast. We did cut. He did cover the uh, Secret Origins. 32 issue the jla origin issue on his podcast fairly recently and he numbers his podcast based on the issue number so that would obviously be episode 32 of the secret origins podcast i actually appeared on that to talk about the hal jordan segment of that story uh and in that by the way the origin of the justice league since we're not going to be getting into it in these two issues the new origin of the justice league actually had ties to a story that was originally published in 1962 and that's as early as Justice League number nine, when these beings called the Appalachians, or however you're supposed to say it, came down to Earth and, you know, they took on various forms like fire and water and wood and various Justice League members had to fight them. And then they all came together towards the end and fought them. That was later sort of uh, retold, represented in the classic Justice League 200 with a bunch of legendary artists and writers. And then, of course, uh, repurposed in Secret Origins 32 to be the new origin of this Justice League. Um, so that's their new origin, if you're curious or have any history of that. <laughs> I think I've got it all. I, should, I think I shot my bolt of, of prep. <laughs> Not nicely said, Chad, but it's okay. <laughs> no, no, no. No, it could have been worse. Let's, let's, I'll give you credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> Should we just hop into it? Ah, please. <laughs> End our pain. Uh, so this is JLA Year One number seven, uh, with a cover date of July of 1998. It's the 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 title on the cover is War Machine. Uh, we open up. Not that War Machine, people. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. 
we open up at a sort of fancy cocktail dinner party at the Gotham City Executive Club, um, where Martian Manhunter is being stopped by a waiter, uh, hostess, whatever, host, whatever. Major, Major D, probably. There you go. That's the word. I don't go to a lot of fancy <laughs> We don't go in for that fancy book learning down here in Tejas. <laughs> we're, um, we're commoners on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, I was running. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sam, why won't you talk to me? <laughs> oh, man, we're already alienating people. How far are we into this thing? <laughs> why are we alienating? Maybe, maybe there's a lot of Forrest Gump fans. Uh, anyways, Martian Manhunter is being stopped by, thank you, Mark, a Mater D., uh, for not having a jacket and tie, so he just transforms right in front of him into a white man in a jacket and tie, uh, who then lets him in. As he comes in, you see uh, Black Canary, Aquaman, Green Lantern, and Flash, as Green Lantern is confronting Simon Carr, who we already know at this point in the story. And we revealed that the interior title of the story is The American Way. He's telling, basically what he's telling Simon Carr is, you need to tell us the secrets of the Justice League. Somebody's been funding us. We're no longer comfortable not knowing who. Um, you know, Black Canary chimes in, you know, for all we know, it's Vandal Savage. You know, we, we need to know. And uh, he says, I, I can't. Uh, all I can say is that they're of great character and altruistic motive. Uh, we cut to just outside that room where a man says, you know, Bruce, get off the phone. You're missing the floor show. And Bruce Wayne is getting off the phone with Oliver Queen, you know, saying something about a very interesting p proposal. Um, and perhaps we can do business together. This man approaches uh, Wayne and says, I bet 5000 I can nail the blonde before you do. Uh, and he is introduced by another man uh, named Chatsworth to Wayne as Maxwell Lord. Uh, some new money. He says, you know, I I'm happy that whoever funded them, headquartered them out, the the Justice League, headquartered them outside of Gotham because, as we had seen before, Bruce is not comfortable with heroes in Gotham other than himself and, you know, anybody he doesn't, isn't a known entity that he doesn't trust. Um, and uh, Chatsworth chimes in and says, can you imagine the property values falling? We're a Martian to live here. And that's when Maxwell Lord says, oh, stuff a sock in it, Chat's foot. Uh, he says, why, I never. And he says, then try it sometime with chocolate sauce. <laughs> he says, I want the JLA as close as possible with the right guidance. They can be an army to change the world. And that's when we cut back to, um, to Simon Carr, who says, you know, believe me, you're in no danger of being compromised. And that's when Martian Manhunter goes, we can leave. He's telling the truth. And Black Canary says, how can he be sure? He, she, he, and he reveals, I read his mind. The Justice League is not yet aware at this point that John is a telepath. Well, they have a discussion on it now as Aquaman is riding on the back of Black Canary's motorcycle because he has no useful powers in the first place to get him from A to B. So, uh, whatever. <laughs> it just looks weird on him on the back of that motorcycle. It does. So they have... <laughs> We have we don't have any Aquaman fans listening to this podcast. Oh wait, an Aquaman not, and Firestorm podcast started this whole thing. <laughs> Whoops, um, or kicked this whole thing off rather. <clears throat> Anyways, they say you know every time we think you know you, you pull out another surprise power. It's creepy. Are you, it's 
any other surprises? And he's like, no, you're now aware of all of my problems. And Hal's like, whatever, I need to go to work. See you later. And Hal flies off a little pissed off. Then we cut over to Dinah. Dinah Laura Lance, a.k.a. Black Canary, in her civilian garb, as she hangs up the phone on her mother, saying, you want to talk, call an operator. Her officer friend Mike shows up, bringing her some coffee, and they kind of have a three-page heart-to-heart. Basically, her revealing the history and kind of uh, a tenuous relationship her and her mother, the original Black Canary, share. The fact that she had an affair with somebody in the JSA. Of course, she doesn't mention the JSA, but just says, you know, a family friend. Um, You know, she says, he says, a family friend, someone you know. She said, thought I knew that's part of the problem. I always worshipped mom's uh, friends. They were like uncles to me, white knights. And obviously, that's the JSA. Talks about how she got into her mother's hobby. She doesn't mention what the hobby is, of course. And he's... Comforting her, and then, of course, a uh, a uh, woman shows up to the shop, and that interrupts the conversation. Then we see several in- different individuals uh, filing things away, uh, various folders, images on Black Canary, Flash, Green Lantern, so on and so forth, talking about how they feel guilty about evading their lives or something else, or manipulating their trust, you know, but does it even matter when there's so much at stake? Um then they cover up their, you know, board full of information with a hologram. They cut, they cut out again to somebody else who has information on the JLA uh, saying, you know, we've got eyes on the Justice League. They don't realize it's us. Kudos to us. And they say 10 years of planning, accumulating cumul- into success. We have one final test on our Android technology. And that's when the wall comes crashing down. And Ralph, who's now been transformed by his... the 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 gene graphing and the brain transfer comes crashing through the wall. They're, they celebrate their their success and their victory with a toast. And he says, not so fast. Are you certain we have nothing to fear from the Justice League? He says, not anymore, Anderson. While we prepare for Armageddon, I trust their other enemies will keep them quite busy. And that's when we see a splash page montage of the Justice League facing various threats throughout their career in history, going up against the Invisible Destroyer and Gorilla Grodd and icicle and the phantom doom and all kinds of different things which is a great splash page love this page and then we cut over to metropolis and we see clark kent really 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 going fast on a on a typewriter to get his story out then he says he says i'm sure i've spotted them in new england area a fast telescope scan telescopic scan might find them or if they're around oh, great scott and he suddenly darts out of the office while Perry is, you know, hollering at him to uh, turn in a story because the, the planet is going to press in 12 minutes. And he says, this is a job for Superman. He flies out to the Alaska area. And I'll tell you how I know that in a little bit. Uh, he flies out to the Alaska area where the Justice League is revealed to be going up against a great many various beings. Uh nightmarish caterpillars and monsters and humanoid-like bugs, all kinds of things. As uh, Arthur says, Zotar struck again. Somehow he teleported us here. How will we get back? Uh, so they, they're they trying to fight off the alien stampede and, uh, and see things one, one at a time. But in reality, 
what is happening is Zotar is cast this 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 being named Zotar has cast an illusion that is causing them to fight each other when they think they're fighting these beings that we saw on the previous page. All of a sudden, a big ass eagle comes out of the sky and shoots red hot heat rays out of his eyes, and all of a sudden, that snaps the Justice League out of it. They notice there are no creatures, and he is, and Superman is it's the eagle's actually Superman. And he is tackling the Zotar's uh, uh, Zotar's uh, machine, his mech. And Hal says, "Are we going to stand back and let him clean back clean up? I don't think so. Come on!" And the Justice League goes at it uh, to uh, to help Superman. He has to be filled in. They tell him he's he's a weapons master from ten thousand years in the future. It, you know his tech is and artillery is extremely advanced. Hal goes in half-cocked uh, and gets overrun with all these yellow um, antibodies of a sense. And that's when John and, and Superman and Flash and, and Dinah and uh, Aquaman all uh, go about destroying these antibodies. While Aquaman is swimming towards Zotar to punch him in the face and knock him out, Superman grabs, grabs the uh, time porter that... Zotar used to get to this time period, and that automatically sends Zotar back to his time period. So he by crushing it, so Zotar can no longer be held in this time period. Then um, they take Superman to their headquarters. He meets Snapper Carr, uh, and then Flash offers Superman membership in the JLA, which Superman then turns down. And a very confused Flash says. What and to be continued? What do you think? It was pretty good. I, I mean, I had been a while since I read the story, so even getting back into it, it's especially jumping literally in the middle of it, because <laughs> we are like literally in the middle of it. That it took a while to get back into it, and I, I do kind of remember it. Uh, there are some elements, and of course, some of these elements will be picked up in part eight, issue, uh, issue eight. Uh, there are some things. Like Hal, I mean, obviously this is not going to be the most flattering portrayal of Hal, and certainly in the two issues that we get. <laughs> uh, I think the, it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting seeing uh, seeing Manhunter and his first encounter with with the with the Justice League and how that takes a lot of up, ups and downs. Super, of course, it, Superman just kind of like. Not really flipping them the bird, but that's kind of like how Hal, and especially kind of seemingly takes it. Besides the fact that Hal is threatened by <laughs> anybody who seemingly is taking over, by taking over the Justice League from him, it was interesting. I think it's. I don't know, if, like you mentioned, I'm not sure in general if I built, if I like the idea of Black Canary being, you know, the founding member more than Wonder Woman. But I think it was. I mean, it's it's an it's a. It's a good story, even even with some you know cheesy bits of dialogue, you know, ex- pushing that aside. It's it's a pr- it's a pretty interesting read, that's for sure. Even jumping in the middle of it, you can kind of pick up just you know what's been what's kind of been going on and where and where you're headed headed, I should say. Yeah, I I mean I enjoyed it, and I said I'd get to it. The reason I know slash assume it's in a in the uh, Alaska sort of. Uh, uh, a north northwestern part of uh, North America is because when I saw this story, I was actually kind of surprised because this was actually my first time reading JLA Year One, and the reason I uh, I recognized this particular scene 
is because one of the things I'm very pop, very like uh, adamant about as far as pushing uh, DC related uh, stuff and in, in multimedia and some of the gr- the the better Green Lantern, uh, Green Lantern, Flash, or really any main DC character stories I've ever read is those Justice League of America novels, and um, that's you know super that's you know uh, Green Lantern Heroes Quest and Flash Stop Motion and. Wonder Woman Mythos, Batman, Stone King, and Superman, um, Neverending Battle, and JLA Exterminators, those novels uh, that came out late 90s, I think mostly early 2000s. Because in the Superman one, A Neverending Battle, there's a part on there where Superman is remembering his first uh, meeting with the Justice League. And it's this moment when they're going up against Zotar. And the reason it's, it's... it's in this story is because there's like an earthquake and the, the whole, the whole thing, I don't want to give it away because it's a really good story. Uh, the main story is basically Superman combating somebody who is influencing the weather across the planet and trying to figure out who that is and what their agenda is. But the first, one of the first things we see with that is somebody's causing an earthquake, a typhoon, a tornado, all kinds of things in Alaska. So he flies up there and on his way back, he kind of flies over this, it's, it's called, I think, the Valley of 10,000 Smokes, if I remember correctly. And he's t- he's having this conversation and when he, this mental thought process when Martian Manhunter flies up. And it's kind of like, because he's a telepath, it's, it's not like he's spying on Superman. It's more like Superman was literally thinking out loud. And it was hard not for Martian Manhunter to pick up on that moment. So they refer to that. And then later, after the crisis is averted, Flash is... Is is hanging out with Superman. This, which is a really good moment, but they just are hanging out and having a conversation, and they stop by the Valley of Ten Thousand Smokes so Wally can talk to Superman about his Uncle Barry and tell you know I want to hear Superman's side of the story, um, and they he, they tell the story again. So I'm really familiar with it because it had happened in a all too rare down down moment for the heroes. Like they were just talking. There wasn't anything really going on. They were just hanging out, having a conversation. So it was really cool to see that in this comic because I remembered it so well from from that storyline. And that was obviously in in, a, in in about Alaska. So that's why I'm assuming. I don't know if it's ever said in this actual story, but maybe that's just where the novelist particularly put it. Good catch. So that was cool. But I love I love little things like the drop the drop in where they were talking about um, they were talking about all the, the villains. The, the the Justice League is going out against now. There's there's a lot of callback in the whole Justice League Year One storyline to prior storylines in Justice League history. You know, before the the crisis, like for instance, early on, of course, you got the founding of the Justice League being the whole Appalachian thing. But I like the callbacks to things like the Invisible Destroyer and Gorilla Grodd and the Phantom Doom and. Icicle, and who I always thought was more of a JSA villain, but whatever. Uh, so that was that was actually pretty cool, getting all those those little flashbacks. There's a bunch of them throughout the story, but it's cool having this double page spread thing. I think that artistically, I think that's probably the highlight of the issue. I think that. I don't know. There's a couple. There's a couple of good shots of them, especially when they're going up against Zotar, and they like as a team decide to go help Superman and all that. No, I didn't say the rest was bad. I just said, <laughs> oh, yeah. I just said that was to me that was the that that splash page is or the double splash page. That's the I think that's the coolest single you know 
page slash two pages of art, I think, in the book. The art's pretty good in the book. Yeah, it's not bad. I, I, I enjoy it. There are a couple of moments where it looks weird, like, but, I mean, granted, it's, a, it's at a distance that things look kind of weird, particularly that spot when they first arrive on the scene uh, and, and Superman is going uh, into Zotar's mech. Like, you see Hal standing there. He almost kind of looks like Kyle. Mm. See what I mean? Yeah. I mean, again, it's just it's it, it, that has to do more with perspective and distance rather than something like actual something else. So, but yeah, I thought I thought it was pretty good. The whole stuff with uh, there at the beginning when Hal is talking about how uh, how uh, Mr. Carr, we even allow your nephew or whatever your son son or nephew. I can't. What does he say? Nephew. This is nephew, I believe. Okay. We nephew to be our kid me- mechanic kid, kid mechanic. And he's like, man. And I was like, whatever. <laughs> Hal is uh, certainly very respectful of every mechanic in his life now, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, like like I said, uh, you get you get more of that, uh, shall we say, douchey side of Hal in this in issue eight than we'd even do in issue seven. But if if you try if you're looking for the more the more positive, upbeat. Uh, great role model, Hal Jordan. You're not really. You're certainly not getting him in issues seven and eight. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, Hal. He's quite the ass. I mean, he's certain. He's he's very. Uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Arrogant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not that. Pompous. I mean, Hal's all. Hal Hal's always been like that, but he's more reckless than anything. He's not an ass. So that kind of bugged me, but I guess you know, got to deal with it. And it's not like it's the first or last time we've seen Hal portrayed this way, even when it comes to a founding of the Justice League story. <laughs> it just true. seems to be that seems to be like a trope everybody goes back to. So it's like, yeah, yeah. cocky, fearless test pilot does not necessarily equate to asshole people. <laughs> <laughs> the two are not synonymous. All right, anything else you want to say about this particular issue? It was a good cliffhanger, though. I like. Because obviously, if, if you were just reading the story from scratch and you didn't necessarily either know where it was going to go, or you didn't have a huge background in, in you know in the origin of the Justice League, you just assume, oh yeah, this is when Superman joined, so he's going to say yes. So the fact that he kind of just makes it say no, that's like that that that's kind of cool, especially because that's like we're at this point where you know we're we're just ending the first half of excuse me the first half of this storyline really and beginning the second half with issue seven, so. It just kind of if you were you know, this was your if you were not uh, indoctrinized into the Justice League lore before that kind of certainly would intrigue you to see how this is all going to play out by the time by, by the end. Yeah. Just like they kind of hint, I guess, at, even without reading anything before or after, they kind of hint at who the mysterious benefactor is. Uh, I think in this issue, just based on the way things are drawn and. Well, yeah, hi- hindsight being twenty twenty two, we all we all know who it is. But again, starting from scratch, if you're yeah. just reading it, 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 if if you just know the way kind of stories go, you might you probably get an idea just based on panel placement and different things of who probably is the one who's uh, setting them up and everything else. Not as not setting them up as in a bad way, as in just getting them up and running and everything else, and giving them the money they need to do what they need to do. So yeah. All right. Next up. All right, let's tackle issue eight. Issue eight, which was from August of 1998, and it has an interesting cover because it has Martian Manhunter holding on to a body of one of these soldiers working in in under this Appalachian plot here, with seemingly with a, like a bullet hole in his chest, 
Martian Manhunter is holding him, you know, is holding him up, and the title on the cover anyway is EXPOSED! And we won't take that any other way than <laughs> how we're looking at it. So the issue begins kind of with another, not necessarily a recap, but a further explanation of what the of what this plot using the Appalachian DNA is, how they're going to be creating host bodies engineered from their DNA. Uh, and we find out, because at least from compared to issue seven to eight, we find out that the I guess the mastermind behind this whole plot is Locus, who looks who looks very Emperor Palpatine like, wearing his hooded cloak. <laughs> <laughs> and as he says, tomorrow everything changes. Tomorrow the Earth belongs to Locus. As for the Justice League, they basically are going to have they <laughs> they have their own problems basically to deal with. Uh, so then we find out that uh, we, the actual issue of title of the issue interior wise is called Loose Ends. It picks up right after Superman. Pretty much, I guess from the Justice League point of view, certainly Hal's point of view blew them off. Because basically you see Hal creating a green a green energy arm, and he pretty much throws the chair that they had made for Superman to sit, you know, his Justice League chair for their table. He pretty much just grabs it and just throws it off into space, going, well, anybody else got any bright ideas? Good job, Hal. Let's yeah. just throw a bullet out into space. Let's not even worry about where it's going to end up. <laughs> just straight off the planet. If it hits something, screw it. You know, it's got Superman's symbol on it, so somebody comes looking. For it'll Superman. open up the, you know, it'll open up the Phantom Zone with the big S on it, and look at everything, all the problems. It's gonna oh. hit some space, some poor spaceship out in space. Someone's gonna see that shield and go, "Well, Superman clearly we did must this. Destroy them. <laughs> <laughs> this must be the planet. Oh, Great Hal. job, Hal. Yeah. <laughs> like every panel, we should say that in this issue. Great job, Hal. <laughs> so. You know, we have Flash going, I, I can't believe Superman said he wouldn't join. And Dinah kind of repeats something that he said, like, my time is not my own. It's like, whose is? <laughs> it's like, it's like Lantern, how many free evenings do you have these days? And Hal just has this really, like, pissed look on his face. He's not saying a word. And, you know, she, she kind of just mutters and whispers to Barry. It's like, uh, what's his problem? Aquaman is talking to Manhunter, going, that's not the most interesting thing that Superman said, though. And he goes, think back to how we got together. And they kind of recap the fact that they, you know, their first thing, how the Justice League basically came together, was they, you know, working independently, they had battled, like, five different alien creatures uh, who turned out to be, you know, foot soldiers for, you know, for their armies. And then what they came, they all came together to battle the sixth. And they found out, this is when they found out they all pretty much came from it's easy saying Apalexians or Apalex. Let's just say Apalex, which saying, uh, and how you know they were using the Earth as their battlefield to determine which of them was most fit to rule the Empire. And this is when Superman kind of reveals that they were actually was you know they had, there was a seventh that day, and Superman dealt with that one himself. And they're kind of pondering, you know, if he, if he found one we never knew about, who's to say there weren't even more? And Snapper's going, not me. And they ask him, what are you talking about? Oh, I basically – and and Snapper's like, kind of like name-dropping. Like he pretty much has hacked into everything that kind of could have existed at that time. NORAD, Skylab 2, the Russian satellite, Red Army mainframe. And this part is kind of like a little bit harder to believe, I suppose. But to me, it just struck me as kind of odd. Like, oh, I've laid out the trajectory of every UFO entering the, you know, the the Earth's airspace that day, and it turns out, you know, so you said there were seven meteors, there were actually eight, which is kind of you know intriguing news. And now we kind of figure out what it might, 
again, based on the way the issue is structured, putting pieces together, you kind of might figure out you know what what the eighth is referring to. You know, we cut to a scene on the street when you have uh, you know this Mr. Anderson is his character's name, and pretty you know pretty much he's he's he's, he's <laughs> Mr. Anderson. Mr. <laughs> <Dr>. Anderson. <laughs> Except he doesn't really look like Agent Smith. <laughs> or, or Neo, for that matter. Yeah, I was about to say. I was going to say, what? yeah, you. We, we, did, we did the voice, but yes, he doesn't look like Neo. Uh, nor, nor, nor does uh, Mr. Gian, Giannardi there look like <laughs> look like Agent Smith. So, you know, Mr. Anderson is interacting uh, with the local grocer, who is this, uh, Mr. Giannardi, and, of course... Uh, Mr. Anderson seems kind of clueless what Giannardi's name is at first. Uh, they, they're just playing, you know, they're kind of playing catch up. You know, how's your brother? You said he was sick once. And he's like, eh, I'm not really sure, Mr. Because <laughs> apparently, and we'll reveal this at the end, apparently our friend here who has all these powers has a really bad memory. <laughs> his t- total recall and photographic memory is not one of his superpowers. <laughs> so he's kind of like he's buying... Yeah, he's he's buying his fruit and, he, and he's leaving and everything and uh, he's kind of being disingenuous and not really paying attention, which of course is partially explained because that's not really he really doesn't care about Mr. Gen- Genuardi here. That's not his focus. Uh, so Mr. Anderson is just again he's interacting with an, with another neighbor. He has a really cute little new puppy, and she's you know she's saying hey you know my you know we really haven't been the closest of neighbors but we're having a get together on Saturday why don't you come over and it's like I'm really I'm busy Mrs. Uh, ma'am because once again he can't remember her name either oh oh this what 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 a what a what a magical superpower it must be at this point we we cut back to some of the members of the Justice League because apparently the eighth meteor landed in Star City Harbor so Hal's kind of like supposedly taking charge of the operation and he 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 and he and Barry are doing everything they can to kind of like dig up and, and, and examine a a large <laughs> an area it's trying to find any sign finding any sign of this meteor and what's going on and we see Arthur you know we see Arthur's under the water using giant octopi there or squids you know move rocks to try to determine what's going on and at this point he he's kind of sees like you know the uh, the water spout and everything that Barry has created by trying to go fast and uncover stuff. <laughs> and Aquaman pops out of the water, really really upset. Is like, what are you doing? <laughs> Do you have any idea what kind of ecological or ecological damage you're doing right now? And Hal's going, it was my call. You know we're done here anyway. You know maybe it landed on the coast. I mean I think I think you need to like need to basically check anything larger than a pebble and hustle. And at this point, uh. You know, Green Green Arrow kind of shows up, a very an original clean-shaven Green Arrow, which always looks funny when he's wearing his Archer outfit, and he does, but he doesn't have it, but he doesn't have his goatee. And he goes, "This, you know, this is my neck of the woods. So, what exactly are you doing here?" It's like, like, is there anything I can do to help? And and Hal's real being douchey, going, "Sure, why don't you fire your meteor detection arrow?" <laughs> and he goes, "Sorry, fresh out." It's like maybe my jerk magnet will find something. And he shoots a and he shoots uh, an arrow that pretty much uh, goes all around Hal. Looks like it's going to actually encase him in in wire, but doesn't seemingly do that. And Green Arrow just talks to Aquaman in the Flash, and it's like, uh, "I didn't know he had a sarcastic side." And Barry's like, uh, "Well, I think he's mad because Superman turned down our membership offer." And he goes, "No offense, by the way." <laughs> 
Because yeah, Green Arrow is always looking to get in that group. On some, usually in almost every origin story, it's Green Arrow who seems to be the desperate run trying to get into the Justice League. But Oliver goes, oh, I'd like I'd join anyway if you ask me. It's like, uh, what a baby talking about Hal. He's, you know, he's, he's, it's like he's got he's got to learn to, he's got to learn to take the blows and, and roll with the times. Kind of completely switch gears, talking about the bringing up and talking about the Blackhawks, and how the Blackhawks pretty much are trying to fit into this you know this new world and a world of superheroes and upgrading and. Which is kind of funny that one scene when they talked about how they, you know, it's like how we need to upgrade and how everybody has this completely different look. I, I, I like the one in the middle that looks like Tom, you know. Mm. He, he kind of looks like a, a cross between Tom, a robot, and a and a Tom Kalmaku, and a, a robot and a Mater D. So if we have this, so if we just get a little uh, glimpse of the Blackhawks and how you know, you know, trust me, our, our you know our days our days are not done yet. So that really doesn't. Uh, it doesn't really factor much in this in this issue. Other than that, uh, now we 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 get another scene of Hal, and it's not a good scene either. It, it's it's Hal recharging his Green Lantern battery, and, and speaking of Tom Kalmaku, he walks in talking to Hal. And it's like, hey, he's like, I didn't know you were there. It's like, hey, you recharged your ring for another 24 hours, huh? But you shouldn't need that because, you know, you know the Baja beaches, you know, we're not going to need that. Surf and sun, here we come. And it's like, I'm not going to Baja Pie. It's like, what are you talking about? We've been planning this for weeks. And it's like, you're too far behind. Like, I promised Carrie you'd have, you'd have the X9 ready for Tuesday. You know, and he's like, Tuesday? It's like, how, did I, how do I know you'll even be here on Tuesday? You're kind of always off with the JLA these days. And Tom's like, you know, I mean, excuse me, Hal's like, there's no excuses, get to work. And Tom's really taken aback by this. And it's like, you know, what's gotten into you? You're normally not, you're not normally this bossy. And Hal's like, well, maybe I ought to be. It's like, uh, you're a mechanic, pie, not a shrink. Now get to it. Don't let me down. We uh, switch back to, I guess, the, the JLA headquarters, if you will, with Martian Manhunter working with, with, <laughs> with Snapper Carr, who, of course, has to, Snap his fingers so we are reminded why he snapped her car. <laughs> and at this point, his uncle Simon comes back. He comes back in. They have a conversation, and uh, once again about you know who was a mysterious benefactor and everything else. And it's like uh, the uh, uncle Simon pretty much goes, you know, just pretty much just let me know, just let me know if the Justice League starts you know digging a little bit too much into trying to figure out who. Who is behind all this? So you'll keep an eye on them for you, for me, won't you, Snapper? And Snapper's kind of taken aback by this, and he kind of goes, "Yeah, whatever." And you ha- and Uncle Simon has this really stressed, strange look on his face for a moment, and then and and then all of a sudden he has the sweat disappears, and he has this really weird. Well, it's not normally you wouldn't think it was weird, but it just seems very, very weird <laughs> after the fact uh, look on his face before it disappears. Now we go back to still Mr. Anderson, correct? Yes. This is Mr. Anderson again, and Looks we have like yeah we have Mr. Anderson who with, with with his woman Linda who apparently Mr. Anderson has been seeing for a while and he and he's breaking up with her and she's like really stunned by this and upset. It's like why are you doing this? You know we've been doing so good, we get along so well. You know it's like you know was you know was it the flowers? You know. You know, Cosmo said they'd be cute. It's like it's not you, Linda. I just don't see a future for us. And she's like, 
And then, meanwhile, they're kind of, you know, she's really kind of making a scene at this point because all these other tables are kind of looking at their conversation. And she's really getting upset. It's like, how can you say there's no future in this? How do you know that? And then we kind of see image clearly we're supposed to take of the future in this because we see pretty much the burned out husks of not just Linda but the other like the other couple sitting across the table, across, uh, across the way on the next table from them. Uh, and this is what you know, Robert, what Mr. Anderson is seemingly actually seeing. So when he's literally talking about no future us, for us, he's talking about no future, and he just, she's crying, she's all upset, and he just like, I, I have to go. We switch to Barry, uh, Barry and Iris, and they were had, that's kind of, I like the kind of appropriate the movie they were going to see, right? <laughs> the Steve McQueen movie, Bullet. <laughs> nice, nice throw in there. Uh, and she's, you know, she's not, she's not exactly getting along too well with with Barry. There's some tension there, and she's like, "Well, what do you think of the movie?" Despite the fact that you came in ten minutes late, after all. And she goes, "Honestly, Iris, again, not too subtle. It's like it was a little slow." And she's like, "No, it wasn't. You were distracted. It's like lately, you're, you know, even when you're here, you're not here." And she pretty much is, you know, she's a straight shooter, so she pretty much lays it on the line. It's like you can, I mean. Lately, you know, I've always assumed that when you're, you know, you know, when you're not, when you're not, a, when you're not with me, you're at the office. Um, <clears throat> but, but honestly, I mean, I just need to, I just need to know, like, have you met someone at work? And when she asked that question, we, it, it's a very cool panel because the, the panel is drawn with a very sad-looking Barry and a very, un, pretty sad or at least neutral-looking Iris to a pretty much a duplicate panel of a very smiling Black Canary and a super smiling Barry Allen as the Flash. And Barry starts to say, not really, and she just cuts him off at the pass. I'm like, who is she? Is it serious? And Barry's like, no, it's, it, it's not what you think. It's just somebody who I can talk about work with. And she says, it's like, well, it's, you know, I see things you choose not to share with me. And it's like, tell me, Barry, is that part of your life more than more important than this part of your life? And Barry's just like, I don't want to have to choose. And Iris just says, well, you're going to have to. Uh, we cut back to uh, the Justice League headquarters where Snapper Car is pretty much, uh, I guess, what, kind of like uh, following the instructions of more surveillance Snapper. And he's like, see, but going through the air ducts pretty much. One of those old tropes, again, about how the air ducts are always big enough to crawl through. <laughs> So he he's up there setting setting up cameras and he's like he's over the power core he thinks he's over the power core and it's like oh no I'm actually over John's quarters it's like sorry I didn't mean to peek in without looking and he's thinking all this out loud and then, and then you know and then he then he kind of looks down he kind of looks down and he realize he, he, whatever he sees he's like he's completely stunned by cut to the Rolling Hills Mental Hospital back with Mr. Anderson <laughs> Mr. Anderson goes to, to visit his brother Bobby who of course this was the brother who was, the uh, grocer was kind of referring to before about how his brother was sick. So obviously his brother is institutionalized. And his brother, of course, is completely overjoyed to see him. And, and Mr. Anderson is pretty neutral about this. And he's kind of like, I, I really can't stay. In fact, I came to say goodbye. And, you know, Bobby's kind of upset, you know, which is kind of a sad scene. He's kind of, he's kind of crying and everything. And... He's kind of like going, don't go. It's like, you know, I want it to be like it used to be, you know, when we had a sister, Bobby, you, Janie, and I going to the ball games. I don't want to be here anymore. Robert Anderson here just pretty much just, uh, he just says, you know, he's, got, he's just got to go. He's got to do what he's got to do. He's got to go. And Bobby's, you know, who, again, we don't, 
probably doesn't quite entirely understand. Not just because Mr. Anderson is not what he appears, but just in even on the surface, even if he was, it would appear that Bobby's not really capable of really understanding entirely what's going on. But he, but he's really as cool as he could be about it. It's like, go ahead, you know, you know, have a life, go, 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 take your trip. It's like I'll be here, you know, I'll be here when you get back. And then we see that he handed Bobby, Bobby handed him a piece of paper, which has a it's kind, of, it's kind of one of those heart-tugging kind of things. Like a, it's like a, almost like a stick, a little bit more fleshed out than a stick figure drawing, but it's very close to a stick figure drawing of the three of them. Uh, Steve, Steve, Bobby, and Janie, I guess when they were all kids, certainly had a happier time. And when, Rob, when Robert looks down at this, it kind of does seem to have an effect on him, but he drives off anyway because that's what he's got to do. Uh, back in the Justice League headquarters, Snapper runs in. It's like, you know, guys, you know, someone's in here. Someone's in here. And Flash is like, in where? It's like, in the headquarters, like in John's room, a spy. We see Snap, Snapper shows uh, on the screen. She, he's showing uh, the picture of the, the, the Mike, the cop, who Black Canary had bonded with. And she's like, oh, I, I know who this, this guy is. And we see Barry with what, Paris Jackson. He works in Barry Allen's office, they were in, which was introduced in an earlier episode. We see Laura Denton, who was an FAA investigator, which Hal met previously. And we see uh, there's a friend Aquaman met at the bar, I believe, earlier in the series as well. And basically Aquaman goes, is he a friend of yours? How about you, Aquaman? How about you know, a friend of yours? And he goes, yes, yeah, someone I trusted. Someone we all trusted. And this is when we kind of – we. We kind of get the reveal as the Justice, the Justice League crashes in into John's room that pretty much John had been playing using his shape-shifting abilities to play all of those characters, taking the, taking on those roles, uh, and that he had been the one who basically had been holding all the files of the of the different, um, for lack of a better way, metahumans. And besides, because it's not just Justice League members, you see others like the Atom, Metal Men, Metamorpho, uh, and you see, you know, even see Superman and Batman on the wall. The basically, uh, Martian Manhunter has been uh, collecting data on them. He's he's been spying, he's been spying on them. And you know, Flash is looking at this files, detailed files. What, what's this all about, John? And John's kind of like, uh, he's kind of like at a loss of words. And you know, Diana's like, how dare you? When you you know, when you were when you were that other person, I told you things. You violated me. You violated us all. And and Hal's kind of like this is my fault, and 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 Barry's like, why? <laughs> Aquaman's like, you know, we took you at your word, and that you were what you seemed to be. Obviously, that was a mistake and a deception. It's like we've been looking for a miss, missing Epilexian. Maybe it's you. Uh, John's like, no, I mean, it, it it isn't. Please trust me. And Snappers really gets upset. Like it's like, why should we believe anything you have to say? And Martian Manhunter tries to leave. Uh, Hal traps him in a green energy constructed cage. And you know, Hal's just, Hal's just kind of, <laughs> even just the way when Hal says, uh, "Forget it, alien, you're not going anywhere." It's just kind of, like, oh, Hal. All of a sudden, Man, uh, Martian Manhunter goes invisible, which is kind of funny because just because he goes invisible shouldn't really mean that he's necessarily out of the cage. <laughs> but it's like, oh, spread out, we gotta find him before. But apparently, he was out of the cage. Uh, Martian Manhunter breaks through the ceiling. Hal's like, "I'll, I'll try to track him down, but I don't know, if, you know, what luck I'll have." Stay here! And Hal, I mean, excuse me, Barry Allen's just like, yeah, yeah. And Barry Allen, 
he, this is like the first, the real sign, at least in this mini, of, of Barry Allen suddenly getting pissed, suddenly getting pissed at, at, at Hal. Now we cut to Mr. Anderson is like league headquarters. Uh, it's like I gotta get inside. I have to tell them everything. They'll know what to do. They're our only hope. And then he realizes all of a sudden that there's someone behind him. He goes, "No, this isn't what it looks like." It's like I come to warn you that. And he get he gets a Mr. Anderson gets a like a laser laser blast right through the chest. He goes, he goes, what Miss? What Anderson that you that you that you would crack that you would betray Lotus's secrets all our plans all that we worked for to the Justice League so noted and we see that it's Uncle Simon Carr himself is the one who has blasted Mr. Anderson there so he's not all that he appears <laughs> end of issue eight uh, I liked it I didn't like it as much as the last issue I'm not sure I think. I think I, I think I kind of did. Actually, I think I did kind of like this one a little bit more. Maybe because we, maybe because you get what you know was you kind of thought was going to happen anyway with uh, with the Manhunter thing. You kind of thought that 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 was going to be the reveal in a way that all these kind of a coincidence that everybody all of a sudden has somebody new coming into their life and so. Um, but I do like to set up you know with the with the eighth mute kind of like. Putting the mystery out there, you know, the the eighth meteor is the eighth meteor. John is the eighth meteor, not John. They kind of even raise that right here. Uh, even even whether the eighth the eighth meteor necessarily was even an Apalexian, which everybody is assuming, is it an Apalexian or could it have been John? But he's not an Apalexian. There's just a lot of different things that I guess they they leave you to ponder in a, or you can think about as you're reading the story as it's you know playing out before us. It, it's definitely not a good Hal issue if you like Hal. <laughs> Such an asshole. He really is, and it and it doesn't get and it doesn't get much better like go, going forward either. When uh, it just makes Hal kind of look like an idiot when uh, you know when Hal we won't go into we won't go into great details, but just about who actually is who most people consider to be the leader of, of this group at this point and who is not and how that comes out in the conversation is just kind of it's just it it's funny on one level but it, again it's just it's it's this is just not great characterization for Hal if you have happen to think Hal is a good character or a likable character anyway yeah one of the, one of the things this issue does is it brings in yet again you know some of the group dynamic outside of the league like how the Blackhawks are involved and all throughout the whole series, actually, you get things like how the challengers of the unknown react to the formation of the Justice League and um, the Metal Men and the Blackhawks and the JSA and, um, you know, all these other teams, the Doom Patrol, stuff like that, who have been around throughout history. Uh, uh, so I really I really enjoy um, that. One of the things I, I enjoy most, not just it's obviously not a big factor in this story. Uh, in, in issues seven and eight in particular, but one of the things I enjoy about the 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 twelve issues overall is the fact that they didn't just focus on the formation of the league, and then Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and then the history involved with the JSA. They also threw in Challengers, Metal Men, uh, Blackhawks, you know, all these other groups of characters. I mean, I think at one point I see I I, I saw the um, Freedom Fighters in there at one point, so. But I mean, just I just like the fact that it's it's obviously its main focus is the fact that it's a story about the formation of the Justice League. So the Justice League, the characters in it, and you know the characters not in it, mostly Superman, some Batman, 
you know, stuff like that are its main focus, but it still takes the time to kind of take the rest of the DCU into account and how they react to a new team of superpowered powerhouses. So that's cool. Again, not particularly in this specific issue or these specific issues that we've been covering, but it's in this issue out of our two that you get more of that. Agree. They do a good. They do it. They definitely do a good job in kind of like an all-encompassing view of the DCU, not just like I said, the main, like you mentioned, the main characters of the JLA, and just like let's kind of ignore everybody else, little things, even the Maxwell Lord part in your issue and things like that. Just bringing, you know, bringing a lot, bringing in a lot of characters that we know all have importance and not had had importance, will have importance, things like that. So it's kind of a it's kind of a, a nice mesh, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, outside of that, I'm not sure what else I have to say about this issue. I mean, it was definitely enjoyable. I, I, I mean, I enjoyed the, the other issue more, but maybe it's just because of the the more Justice league aspects of it. You know, them fighting together and fighting alongside Superman and, you know, that double-page splash and all those different things. And maybe I just like this one more because of the opposite, I guess. Maybe because you did have a lot more behind-the-scenes stuff going on. You get you get the glimpse of how being in the Justice League has affected at least certain members of, of the league already. You see you see Barry kind of having a crisis of conscience because of the fact that, A, obviously he he has some attraction to Dinah. That part is... You know, that part is kind of... That one panel alone would make that clear. But even if it's not something that he necessarily wants it to be... Or he needs it to be anything more than just a close friendship. It's just the fact that he can. That's there's a part of his life that is secret. He he feels at this point he has to keep it from Iris. So the only so that part of his life, which is a big part, he can only share. You know, he can only share that aspect with somebody who is involved in it too. And and it just happens to be you know Dinah is pretty much. Dinah is the only female member of the group at the moment, so that's that's the kind of bond that you know that's in a way it's suiting a need that he has to be able to uh, share that. And we see, we're seeing the stress of what's going on with the Justice League and the, and the disgruntled nature of Hal with the way things are going and how like he is basically taking it out on poor, on poor Tom and pretty much everybody else around him too. But Tom is a one in his personal life that we see is kind of being his whipping boy here. And then just you know just all the we get the behind the scenes stuff of the confirmation that it was Martian Manhunter basically spying or whatever you know at this point it's still not 100% clear why he's doing what he's doing or what if his motivations are a little whether they're honorable or not honorable we just know that he basically has betrayed their trust you can't really argue that and that's a big that's a huge potential moment for a group that's just coming together and then you have something like that to kind of potentially splinter you along with the obviously some of the other internal conflicts that are going on here leadership struggles and uh overall approach to dealing with problems and personality differences that so i like that aspect again potentially uh not civil war-esque necessarily but kind of in that vein that this is kind of like a tipping point moment for the justice league where it could probably go either way and it could have gone either way and we know how it goes realistically but it's Again, if you were just reading the story from scratch and you didn't know anything about it, you certainly could think that there could be a lot of problems before things get better. Yeah, I like how the uh, uh, Barry Dinah thing resolves itself later on. That's yeah. kind of cool. Anything else we want to say about these two issues? I think we got good issues. I'm glad we got issues seven and eight. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
I mean, definitely some, good stuff. Yeah, it, it's good stuff. On the, and and I think it was and it was cool to be right in the middle as it transitions out of the first half of the story into the second half. Uh, I think that's it was a it was a it was a good point to uh, pick up on. So I think that was it was good timing. It was it was a fortunate break for us. Not that some of the other issues wouldn't have been good to do either, but still. All right, well, right before we go into our closing, one final, since we are the Green Lantern podcast, one final thing I thought it would be interesting to mention. Uh, there's an ad in here, in uh, in issue number seven, called Watch This Space. So what Watch This Space is, uh, just kind of telling you what's coming up in, in D.C. in the next month or so. Uh, and this one is all about Green Lantern. Well, not all about, but it's it, the image is Hal and Kyle, and this is 1998. So if I say, since you haven't seen it, Mark, if it's Hal and Kyle and it's 1998, and it's an image of them two together, what do you think they're advertising? Must be either the build-up for or part of Emerald Knights, I would assume. That's right. Green Lantern number 100. So it says, uh, welcome to Green Lantern Month to celebrate Green Lantern number 100, a double-sizer written by Ron Mars and drawn by Daryl Banks and Terry Austin. Uh, two-thirds of which are friends of the show. Yay! <laughs> uh, each copy of 100 has two covers, one of Green Lantern Hal Jordan and one of Green Lantern Kyle Rayner. The story's about Kyle going back in time to meet Hal in his prime. Cool, huh? And then Emerald Treasures. Also on sale this month will be the Green Lantern Secret Files number one with a cover by Gil Kane and Kevin Nolan and lots of secrets inside. There's a Green Lantern poster on sale of Hal, Kyle, and Alan Scott by Chris Mueller? Moeller? Huh. Bueller, Bueller. No. <laughs> I'm going to have to look up Green Lantern poster on, on eBay and see if I can find one of those. Uh, and a porcelain Green Lantern Hal Jordan statue. Pick them all up at your nearby retailer. But wait, there's more. Editor Kevin Dooley was showing off his new Green Lantern ring, a facsimile of which is available in comic stores to all. Bright days or black nights, this is the ring we've all been waiting for since we were kids. And then, and this one's hilarious because this happens in 1998, so... You know, this is very dating itself, so this is hilarious. Green Net. Ron Mars will also appear on America Online and DC Online with DC, with uh, editor Kevin Dooley on May 6th to talk about Green Lantern 100. Let's log on now, see if they're still there. <laughs> Get your discs out and connect to the internet, <laughs> folks. Uh, Ron Mars will be on America Online. <laughs> Get those floppies. Oh man! That was but good. yeah, there's a that was cool it was stuff. A, yeah, I was advertising a lot of stuff that was happening. I had forgotten that. Uh, I mean, obviously, I wasn't collecting when these these came out, but um, I had forgotten that Secret Files number one came out at the exact same time that uh, 100 did. So yeah, I, I didn't remember that they were kind of like coinciding, but yeah, th- that was a good. Those were good. No, we haven't done it. Have, have, have those issues been covered in the previous incarnation, the Secret Files issues on themselves? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I, was, I thought you were talking about Emerald Knights. So I was like, oh, yeah, that, we did a yeah, whole, whole episode that. <laughs> <laughs> you already ready for, you, get, you getting Alzheimer's yeah, there, buddy? Yeah, I was going to say, as dementia sets in, it's been, a, it's been a long JLA episode, folks. No, uh, uh, yeah, because those would be, maybe doing, if, if not, maybe doing like the first two Secret Files or something, digging them out and doing them together might not be bad idea uh but yeah that's there were some good things in those secret files yep all right anything else before we wrap up these two no i think i think we're good 
All right, you want to go ahead and close this out? <laughs> Let's see how this works. <laughs> For our regular listeners, we're kind of throwing this, we're kind of like throwing a little wrinkle in here, here and there, so it's not the normal beat. Uh, probably the best way for people to uh, to find us is our website, lanterncast.com. On lanterncast.com, you can check out and find out all of our episodes, including the older episodes. The the uh, links have been updated, so if you go into our the the older posts and the archives on our website, you will be able to pretty much now listen to, I think every single episode. There's one there's one little spinoff I think episode that never made it way onto the server when we switched. But other than that, maybe maybe you can win a no prize if you actually find which one that is. <laughs> uh, besides all our episodes, we have we have our blogs where we keep people up to date on latest lantern news. Uh, we have our Ring Cyclopedia series in which we talk, we do videos and talk about different Green Lantern rings and ring props that have been released over the years. So besides our main Lantern Cast program, which we're getting really close to issue 250 on, which we'll be talking about uh, in, a, in a few moments, and we've been doing this show has been on for almost eight years now, when you really think about it, because I think the first episode, looking at the posts. When I was doing that, we <laughs> doing that link work. I think like the first post was at the end of 2008. So I think this show is get, not us. We, Chad and I are the second gen hosts, but the original hosts, Jim Ford and Dan Kurtzke, I think their first episodes came out in the fall to be eight years. So we certainly have a nice little track record of of podcasting, you know, in our in our resume here. Uh, so besides, well, I'm I'm six of one. And, yeah, you know. Chad, Chad. Chad was the last of the old and the first of the new, so Chad kind of came on in the like the second half of the first, the second half of the original run with Jim and Dan, and then he, he and I kind of transitioned into taking the show over. So, but besides the main Lantern cast shows and the and we have we have spinoffs that we do some some we really haven't touched in a while like like Elseworlds, but why don't you talk about yours first, the, the one that's current, that, the most active one you have going now of our spinoffs. Uh, yeah, the first one, uh, the main one that I do by myself is the Green Lantern, Green Arrow podcast. It's entitled Lantern Cast Presents Green Lantern, Green Arrow. And if you couldn't tell by the title, that's where I obviously go back and talk about the uh, Green Lantern, Green Arrow series as written and drawn by, uh, written by Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams and drawn by, uh, written by, as written by Denny O'Neill and drawn by uh, Neil Adams. Uh, historic run in Green Lantern, and it's not just the comics I cover. I'm actually covering the social context and uh, and comics history context of each issue, uh, particularly the ones that are way more socially conscious, way more direct on the nose, that address certain things and how it goes up against the Comics Code Authority at the time and how that series helped change the Comics Code and change comics in general. Uh, as well as, of course, you know, if they're talking about, let's say, pollution or drug use or whatever, I take a look at how that was, you know, what the current stories were at that time in history and why it was a, a big deal in being addressed in that comic. So, And then the other spinoff that Mark mentioned, the Elseworlds spinoff, I do with uh, Lantern Cast co-founder Jim Ford. Uh, it's been a long time since we've done one of those, but it's, it's not completely over where we cover uh, typically Green Lantern-related Elseworlds stories. Um, and the last one we did was Last Son of Earth. So, But, uh, you know, we're hoping to get another one out maybe this year. So, 
I'm sure you will. My my main, my, actually my current only, I was going to say main, my only spinoff, direct spinoff for Green Lantern that I do, also with uh, co-founder Jim Ford, we do Lan- Lantern Cast Presents Pre-Birth, which is basically we chronicle, well, it's a, it's a big tent for us to do other things if we choose to. Our focal point up to now basically has been Hal Jordan's time as the Spectre. So we started with Hal becoming the Spectre, and we have delved and we delved into the uh, Legends of the DC Universe story before he got his Spectre book, and now we're I think we've been I think we're up to issue six and seven. I think the last episode we did covered issue six and seven of the Spectre series, so we'll, we will continue to be chronicling that and other appearances of Hal as a Spectre, and then. Down the road, who knows? Who knows how it will transition? But it probably will transi- transition into something else. Jim and I also have another podcast, which is not Green Lantern directly related, though we it does have some Lantern news on occasion, and we'll have more in a future episode. Which is our it is the greatest toy podcast, and by the name of it, as you can figure out, it is it is a toy podcast where we talk about the the latest toy news what is coming out for what has come out and what's you know just being announced and is not even available for pre-order yet or is about to be order available for pre-order that can, so that can be found the greatest toy podcast.com can and we can be emailed greatest toy podcast at gmail.com as far as contacting us besides our website we're, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use hashtag GLCast to locate us on any of those. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. You can get our episodes there. Uh, if you listen to us on either platform or both, please, if you would be so kind, leave us a positive review. Uh, last but not least, uh, we can or the email, lanterncast at gmail.com. Lanterncast at gmail.com and our voicemail is 708lantern. Uh, you can contact us on either one of those. In general, let us know what you think about this episode, what you'd like to hear, any Green Lantern questions. And especially right now, we, are, we have been asking people to give us their thoughts on the Final Night storyline, which, of course, as Green Lantern fans know, the Final Night storyline the reason why it's relevant is because that's the storyline in which Hal Jordan Parallax ends up d- dying. Let's put it that way. That is that spoilers. Is, spoiler alert. You can you want to edit that part out? No. Okay. <laughs> that basically leading into the Spectre series. Now, how uh, that was Hal Jordan's Hal Jordan's moment of redemption, if you will. That was the kind of the twist or the thing people remember really about that event. And we, we've been asking for your thoughts and your recollections on it because, spoiler alert, because our big 250th episode is about to come out. And when that episode comes out, we, that episode will be focused entirely on the, mini, the miniseries of The Final Night along with the Green Lantern, tie, the Green Lantern tie-in along with the, par, the Parallax Emerald, Emerald Knight one-shot. So we will be doing that with our friend and fellow fellow Lantern fan, uh, Ryan Daly, who will be joining us for that. And that episode will be coming out soon. So if you have any thoughts on Final Night and what you remember, what, what, what it meant to you, what things you liked didn't, anything along those lines, just shoot us an email, leave us a voicemail, because we, we would like to have a, a plethora of, of, of them when we do uh, v- listener feedback that, that day. 
So uh, find us on iTunes and Stitcher and follow along because 250 is coming up quick and Final Night affected more than just Green Lantern, guys. So definitely check it out. Uh, and if you're sending us emails about the, the main uh, miniseries, the Green Lantern entry, the Parallax one-shot, if you remember anything about any particular spinoff uh, issues or tie-in issues uh, that came uh, in, in – were part of that final night event, you know, the Flash, the Power of Shazam one, you know, in, any of those ones uh, that you remember particularly enjoying, the Supergirl one with Gorilla Grodd and all that other stuff, then sure, you know, give us give us information on that too. You know, we, we covered the miniseries and we're covering, you know, those two other issues, but we'd love to hear, you know, more breakdowns on what you guys thought about the tie-in and ancillary issues related to final night uh, that you, you, you in particular enjoyed. So, uh, lanterncast at gmail.com 708 lantern follow us on itunes and stitcher and we will uh, definitely be uh coming up with episode 250 really really soon in about two weeks actually the next be. episode is uh 249 and obviously uh, right after that 250 good stuff on the horizon so check us out all right thanks for listening guys do not forget the next few episodes of the JL May crossover will be from first up after us is the Supermates podcast, then the Idol Head of Diablo, then Comic Reflections, and wrapping us up for the month of JL May, views from the long box. So find parts five, six, seven, and eight all on those various podcasts, and uh, be sure to give them a listen because. This was an awesome idea. It was a fun time. For sure. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye, everybody.